Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's been a long road. Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally And I can feel a change in the way right now Nothing's in my way And I'm not gonna hold me down no more No, I'm not gonna hold me down Cause I've got faith I've got heart Good evening, everyone. This is Dr. Jess Harmine coming to you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania, where we reverse engineer chronic illness. Tonight, we have a great show for you on uh, GMO foods, glyphosates, which I know I'm mispronouncing, Roundup, and so forth. Uh, I am going to introduce our wonderful guest who has been with us before, and um, hopefully uh, you guys will ask questions because this is one of the most important subjects. If you go back into my podcasts, um, like about a year or so ago, we uh, I interviewed Dr. Seneff, and the only thing you heard me say for two hours was, yeah, really? For real? Wow. You know, because I started learning an awful lot of stuff. And since then, it really clicked about why people are getting ill and why people are getting ill so early in life. And I'm seeing this in practice. Okay, I'm seeing children with neurotransmitter profiles that I usually saw in 60-year-old people. Okay, people are getting sicker. They're getting sicker quicker. And this is one of the big linchpins of it. So I really suggest close attention tonight. So uh, my guest tonight is Dr. Stephanie Seneff, who is a senior researcher at MIT's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory. Uh, she has a bachelor's degree from MIT in biology with a minor in food and nutrition and a PhD in electrical engineering and computer science. Her research over the past decade has focused on understanding the effects of certain environmental toxicants, such as aluminum and glyphosates, and on human physiology. And she proposes that a low micronutrient, high carbohydrate diet combined with excess exposure to environmental toxins and insufficient sunlight exposure to the skin and eyes play a crucial role in many modern conditions and diseases, including heart disease, diabetes, arthritis, gastrointestinal problems, Alzheimer's disease, and autism. And for, the, and for you guys of the genetic bent, always remember 
that genes load, genetics loads the gun, but environment pulls the trigger. Okay, so that's what we're really talking about. Dr. Seneff, welcome to the show again. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You are an absolute piece of gold. And I realize that, you know, we probably have to have guards outside because the Monsanto people are probably, you know, monitoring and they probably caused that storm last week that, you know, <laughs> did they control they the weather now it, too? I, I swear, because mm-hmm. that, that storm came in just before the show and just knocked out all the power and they figured, ha, 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 he's not going to have the show amazing. again. You know, well, guess what? <laughs> you know, they don't know yeah. that I'm Sicilian. <laughs> you know? Oh, they just kind of this this week they figured if they did it twice in a row, somebody would suspect them. You know, um, but I'm sure that we all like to make jokes about Monsanto. The only problem is about humor, is that it always has a kernel of truth. <laughs> right. Um, listen, I, I I I know we spoke about this before, but there are a lot of people out there who would like to know kind of the basics, you know, what are we talking right. about? How does it affect our health? And and I know you've been posting a lot lately, so if you could give us the basics and just what's new and what we should know, it's just, this is this is horrible stuff, so I'm just going to let you take over and go for it. Okay, good. I'll start with the basics, because some people probably don't know what glyphosate is. Glyphosate is the Or how to pronounce it, like me. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have trouble pronouncing it. That might have been they might have picked a word such that. <laughs> anyway, glyphosate is the word. It's actually a an amino acid. It's a uh, an analog of glycine, and glycine is a really super important amino acid. And later on, I'll get into uh, my understanding of how glyphosate can cause so much trouble, and it really has to do with it pretending to be glycine. I'll get into that later on. Okay. Uh, what people should know is that glyphosate is pervasive in our environment. First of all, the U.S. Uh, consumes more of the world's glyphosate than any other country. You know, we, proportionally, we take in 20% of the of the market of glyphosate in this country, and we have less than 5% of the world's population. So we're more heavily exposed than other countries, and we're also sicker. I mean, you look at our healthcare expenses; we have, they're hugely out of proportion with the rest of the world. We have so many people struggling with weird autoimmune diseases, you know, that they just don't know, the doctors don't know how to treat, you know, things like fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome and, of course, autism and ADHD and all people with depression and lupus and multiple sclerosis. I mean, all these rheumatoid arthritis, we're seeing rheumatoid arthritis in children now, you know, mm-hmm. or even type type 2 diabetes in children. Getting type 1 diabetes is becoming an epidemic even though it's uh, supposedly a genetic disorder. So genetics isn't supposed to become an epidemic, but the glyphosate, I believe, is causing all of this. I mean, there's a lot of other chemicals working together with glyphosate, but glyphosate is the most important one, in my opinion. And the reason is because it's so pervasive. It's used much more than any of the other herbicides. Um, And the herbicides are really dangerous. All of them are bad. But glyphosate is especially bad, first of all, because it's so pervasive. It's used so much. It's not monitored. Very, very little monitoring is going on to see how much is actually in the food or in the water or in the air. And and it's um, considered to be safe. So that's the big problem. It's considered to be safe to humans, which is why, I mean, the government figures it would be too expensive, I guess, to... It's also very expensive to test, and that's partly because there are very few... Uh, facilities that offer tests for glyphosate, which is pretty outrageous when it's such a pervasive chemical. But the whole backdrop that says this stuff's not toxic to humans 
is what drives the lack of awareness of what it's doing. So people don't even study it. When they see it, it's staring you in the face when you see certain things going on with wild animals. I mean, I can give a good example just to get a little bit in digression here early on, but birds, birds, um, chickadees, uh, beginning in the late 1990s along the Great Lakes region, right when they introduced glyphosate and the GMO Roundup Ready, they they introduced these GMO Roundup Ready crops, so corn, soy, canola, sugar beets, um, core crops of of the processed food industry. They introduced GMO Roundup Ready versions of those. They introduced a bacterial gene into the crop. They thought this was a tremendous breakthrough because now they could just spill poison all over the crop and the crop wouldn't die. Those are the only plants that don't get killed by glyphosate, the ones that have this magic gene. And uh, so they introduced that, and it was wildly successful. And so they've just now we've got pretty much 90% of each of those crops in this country is engineered to resist Roundup. Uh, and we and they're using more and more of it every year on the crops. So we're getting additional each year. We're getting more exposure, and that's why we're seeing this a- astronomical rise in autism. I mean, that's a good benchmark. The uh, the rise in autism it matches perfectly with the rise in the use of glyphosate. But these birds, so these birds living around the Great Lakes, where they introduced the GMO Roundup Ready crops, and the birds started showing up with this bizarre deformity, which would happen over time during their life. Their beaks would start to just become completely deformed, twisted around. Then they'd be unable to eat, and they'd die because their beaks were so messed up. And Anthony Samson and I have described how glyphosate could cause exactly this syndrome um, if it is, in fact, acting as a pretend glycine, and I'll get into that later. But so they studied, so we have studies that, that looked in extensively into all these different chemicals. There was a particular paper that we saw that had a huge list of all these different metals, toxic metals, toxic um, herbicides and, and insecticides and fungicides, looking at all these things. They couldn't find anything that looked like it was causing this big problem. And what's remarkable is they didn't look at glyphosate. They didn't look at it, even though glyphosate's used on the, on the sunflower seeds as a desk and right before harvest. And the sunflower seeds go into the bird feeders, and these birds eat the sunflower seeds out of the bird feeders. They're very good bird feeder birds. So there's an obvious connection to, to glyphosate in, in these birds. Birds that are having this problem up in Alaska, for example, they grow these sunflowers and they spray them with glyphosate right before the harvest as a desiccant. And they don't look at glyphosate. So I don't understand how they can ignore glyphosate when it's like the obvious reason for the problem. But they think it's so non-toxic that they never think it could be the, it could be the cause. It's incredible to me that people just don't even look because they think it can't possibly be true. So once you've got a societal assumption that this chemical is non-toxic, you have a, a complete inability to even investigate it. You know, no one wants to spend the money because, of course, this stuff's harmless. So why would you just waste your money on this? It's expensive to do these tests. No one looks. You know, I mean, it's really amazing to me. And yet you've got incredible correlations, really strong correlations with a rise in a huge list of diseases in humans, exactly matched to the rise in glyphosate, and none of the other herbicides or none of the other uh, toxic chemicals used on the foods match. Only glyphosate matches extremely well with all these diseases. And then everyone says, well, correlation doesn't mean causation. I mean, they always find a way to weasel out of it. But, I mean, people really ought to just face up and look at the facts, and it stares you in the face. It is so obvious to me what's happening. Go, please. Oh, I'm here. Are you <laughs> kidding? I'm, I'm, I'm scribbling like crazy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Are you so kidding? I'm, I, 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 I know where my levels are. 
when I learn something, all you all you hear is silence. Me going, you know, and I have to look at it and say, boy, they have to be able to read my own handwriting, which is a problem in, un, unto itself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I right. Go ahead. <laughs> so anyway, I mean that's so. It. I was looking for something that was causing autism. I was determined to find the problem because I knew that autism was going up exponentially, and I knew that was a problem that's going to get to be a really big problem in time. And now we're really kind of seeing a crisis, I think, with the first wave of these autistic kids are growing up, and we don't have adult facilities for them because we didn't have them before, you know. And, uh, again, there's, like, always these ways to excuse it, say, oh, well, we just are diagnosing it more now. There's always some way that people weasel out of facing the facts with these things, which really frustrates me. Um, I think autism is a serious crisis, and it's going to completely disrupt the school system because the schools are going to be so burdened First of all, those kids are disruptive, and secondly, the, mm-hmm. the cost of of, edu- of trying to educate them and having them in the educational system is going to leave very little money left over for the rest of the kids to actually give them a decent education, you know. True, true. Uh, it, it's really uh, disturbing. Of course, it's not just the autism. The kids have eczema, asthma, all kinds of different food allergies. We've got all the gluten intolerance. You know, we've got, we've got ADHD. We've got ADHD is huge, like maybe 11%. Um, depression, just so many problems with the kids today. Um, very, very disturbing. We, we do not have a healthy population. And wh- the other thing that frustrates me is that it's not a conversation that people are having publicly. You know, all this stuff in the elections, there's not a, a peep about this. It's like this is just a non-existent problem. And yet, to me, it's the it's the biggest crisis facing our country. And I do not understand why, you know, the politicians never even talk about it. It's just like it's not. It's like invisible. It's very strange to me. Um, uh, I, looked, I, I don't so think I looked it's into really strange. I looked into all kinds think? of chemicals. I was striking out. I knew I hadn't found the problem, um, and I knew a lot about autism at that point. I'd been going on for five years, reading everything I could find about autism, looking at aluminum and mercury and fluoride and PCBs and uh, you know the plastics, all these things, striking out. And I understood the features of autism, but I couldn't find the chemical that was causing them. And it was four years ago, uh, pretty much four years ago, that I uh, first encountered the word glyphosate. I hadn't heard of it really before that. I don't remember seeing it before four years ago when I heard a two-year presentation by Professor Don Huber, who is an expert on plants, plant physiology, plant pathology, retired professor from Purdue, fantastic guy with a wealth of knowledge. And he presented this lecture describing uh, how glyphosate disrupts microbes uh, in the soil, and then by analogy in the gut, and how that causes gut dysbiosis, inflammatory gut, you know, and all these issues that the autistic kids were experiencing in the gut, which I knew was a problem for the autistic kids, but I couldn't figure out what was causing it. I was sort of thinking maybe too many antibiotics, you know, and glyphosate's actually been patented as an antibiotic, so it makes sense, an antimicrobial agent. It makes sense that it would act like an antibiotic, and it basically messes up the balance in the gut with an overgrowth of pathogen, it preferentially kills the good guys, like the lactobacillus, which are the ones that have to thrive in the beginning. They're drinking the milk, you know, when the baby starts nursing. The really important first thing to do is to get those lactobacillus well settled into the gut so that they can keep the pathogens out. And if they're getting killed by glyphosate, then the pathogens have a chance to grow, and you get the, uh, you get the immune reaction, you get the inflammation, you get the leaks, and now you get all kinds of stuff coming out of the gut into the into the blood, into the uh, lymph system, and causing a lot of trouble, a lot of immune reactions, and that's how you get all these different 
sensitivities, all these food sensitivities, because the gluten's just spilling out. Gluten protein is spilling out into the blood, and then your immune system is reacting, and you're getting uh, antibodies to the gluten, so which can become autoantibodies, and the... so you get autoimmune disease. And that's really, autoimmune disease is just huge right now. And it's linked to the leaky gut, which in turn is linked to the glyphosate disrupting the gut homeostasis. So that is the beginning of it. Yeah, that's, that's where the beginning it of That's the beginning of uh, leaky gut syndrome. Yes, and then following leaky gut comes a whole bunch of other problems, and your problems will just get worse and worse over time, if you starting with a leaky gut, and uh, and it, it can it can lead into awful things like ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, you know, multiple sclerosis, Alzheimer's disease, because once you get the leaky gut, then that also then promotes leaky brain barrier, and then mm-hmm. stuff starts. Because the brain has a double barrier. You know, you have, stuff has to get past the gut and then past the brain barrier to get into the brain. If a virus gets into the brain, then your brain's immune system will react to it, and you will get um, antibodies to that virus in the brain, which can turn into autoantibodies to proteins in the brain and cause things like multiple sclerosis and autism. And I think that's what's happening. You know, people have really bad barriers. Their barriers are really sick. And stuff is getting where it shouldn't be getting. And then the immune system is trying to clean up the mess. But in the process, it overreacts. And then you get um, sensitivities to your own body's proteins. And that causes a whole bunch of these autoimmune diseases. Now, if you, could do me a, if you could do me a favor and just go back just a couple of paragraphs, because... This is the this was a big gestalt for me the last time. How does and I know you said it already, but you know just because I think it's that important. Maybe by what mechanism do they get leaky gut? They're right. drinking mother's I mean, milk. They're drinking. By what mechanism? Right, and mother's milk could easily have glyphosate in it. In fact, uh, Zen Honeycutt had uh, breast milk. She's the um, founder of Moms Across America, and she took the initiative to get breast milk tested. Several different women uh, provided samples of breast milk that got tested for glyphosate, and I think about a third of them came out with um, detectable levels of glyphosate, and the highest was 1,600 times higher than the upper limit for water contamination in Europe. And so the kids are drinking glyphosate in the breast milk in some cases. Uh, and where else, the they, where else are they getting it If they're it drinking from? a DMO Roundup Ready soy formula, good luck with that, you know. <laughs> so it starts out very early with the formula. But, of course, they're also getting it in the womb because the mother is eating glyphosate, and the glyphosate is mm-hmm. getting past the placental barrier and getting into the developing fetus, and that's causing a great deal of trouble. Certainly in places that, like in Peru, in um, not Peru, um, Argentina and Brazil, mm-hmm. they have a lot of GMO Roundup Ready soy fields. They've really embraced the GMO almost as much as we have, and they've got the kids that live in the small villages in the middle of these fields, and those kids are just getting all kinds of congenital diseases. They're being born with gastroschisis, which is like the guts outside of the body, or um, mm-hmm. microcephaly, anencephaly, no brain or a small brain, um, and uh, various problems with the reproductive system, you know and strange, all kinds of strange stuff that we hadn't seen before is showing up in these kids that are being exposed environmentally because they live near the fields where the glyphosate is being sprayed. So that's a more intense exposure. You get these kinds of um, really nasty 
developmental problems in those kids. Um, We're so seeing... They, uh, it's, it's, it's key, um, supposedly, according to Monsanto, and I think this is true, the, the, the key way in which it kills plants is through disrupting a particular biological pathway called the shikimate pathway, a really important pathway that provides three of the basic core amino acids, uh, which are the building blocks of proteins. And so these three are called the aromatic amino acids. They come out of the shikimate pathway. Glyphosate messes up that pathway early on so that those three amino acids can't be produced by the plant, and that's what causes the plant to die. And it turns out, and so they say, well, human cells don't have this pathway. That's why this stuff is so non-toxic to us. Well, it turns out our gut microbes do have this pathway, and they use the pathway to produce these aromatic amino acids, which our cells can't make. I mean, they can't make it because they don't have the pathway. They depend on the gut microbes to supply it. But if the gut microbes are being exposed to glyphosate, they can't supply those nutrients. And those aromatic amino acids are precursors to some incredibly important molecules in the body, such as all the neurotransmitters, the serotonin, melatonin, melanin, the skin tanning agent, thyroid hormone, a bunch of B vitamins, vitamin E. Um, it's, all of those things are going to be affected by the insufficient supply of the products of that pathway, and you're going to get deficiencies in all these things. And dopamine is another one. So, I mean, it's like these are really important molecules in the body that are going to be deficient and going to cause issues with the brain, for example, with all the neurotransmitters. And so that's a beginning point of where there's trouble. Uh, Glyphosate is also a very strong metal chelator. That means it grabs hold of metals and won't let go. And um, particularly certain metals, mainly zinc, manganese, um, iron, cobalt, um, selenium, sulfur, so those are all going to be disrupted uh, in the body because of glyphosate grabbing hold of them and making them unavailable. That's one of the ways in which glyphosate disrupts lactobacillus. Lactobacillus is that microbe that needs to get started early on, and they are have a very interesting dependency on manganese, the lactobacillus, to be able to grow properly, and glyphosate is extremely good at making manganese unavailable. And I'm suspecting that that's the way in which glyphosate disrupts the lactobacillus in the in the gut and and gets the child off on a very bad start with respect to the gut microbes. So glyphosates are interfering with the immune system on a very basic cellular level. Yes, that's right. Um, one of the one of the things that happens early is that the Beneficial microbes get um, they get affected more than the pathogens. So you get the bacteroides, the bifidobacteria, and the lactobacillus all shrinking in numbers, and then you get the toxic guys overgrowing, like Clostridium difficile and Pseudomonas rubinosa. You get some nasty guys growing, Staph aureus. You know these guys um, get uh, too strong, and then this, the immune system reacts. Like the immune cells come in and start trying to clear these pathogens. And to do that, they have to release toxic chemicals. It's just like fighting a war, right? They're releasing what they call cytokines. Um, the immune cells are, and they're also inducing an inflammatory state where there's a lot of superoxide, various things that can cause DNA damage. So the gut's basically on fire. I mean, you've got this inflammatory bowel syndrome, um, and, and that's going to erode the gut lining. So the gut lining gets messed up. In fact, I believe glyphosate actually causes... Um, the cells in the gut lining to shrink so that the 
barriers between the cells, what's called the tight junctions, become loose. And that's mm-hmm. what allows things to slip through. That's how you get the leaky gut. Things start right. slipping through the through the barrier. And um, meanwhile, glyphosate also messes up uh, the ability to, um, the enzyme's ability to break down the protein. So you end up with proteins in your food, such as the gluten, not getting not getting metabolized. And instead, the protein, the whole protein, the peptide sequence in the gluten gets out into the main system, and that's how you get gluten intolerance because that's mm-hmm. that's really something your body does not want to see. Foreign por- proteins, you know, foreign proteins floating around in the blood is a no-no, and your immune system will go after those and produce antibodies. And those antibodies are what can then become the autoantibodies that attack your own tissues. And that is really a basic uh, mechanism by which many of these autoimmune diseases start to develop is through that antibody autoantibody process through what's called molecular mimicry, where right, the peptide right. sequence in the foreign protein looks sufficiently similar to proteins, specific proteins in your own body, that your immune cells get confused and they react to the wrong thing. So they're 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 actually attacking your own proteins unintentionally because they look like the ones that they were exposed to that were foreign. It's really fascinating stuff. And that's how when, you get the autoimmune disease. That, that's the mechanism. We've always known that there's a mechanism between leaky gut syndrome and autoimmune disease, but you, you've you've identified the exact the exact method in which it happens. Yeah, and I think it's also connected to this inability to break the proteins down, and that's what gets really interesting, and that's what gets into my next topic, which is something I've become very, very excited about, an insight that Anthony Samson and I had only since last December, um, which is this idea of glyphosate uh, pretending to be glycine, which we know it does. I mean, certainly there have been papers that have been been written about how glyphosate um, acts like glycine at a receptor because glycine is a very, very important molecule in the body. It's one of the basic amino acids. It's one of those proteins that has a code, you know, in the DNA code. Mm-hmm. The DNA code is so cool because you have this four-letter code, which is the four nucleotides, and then a three-letter sequence drawn out of a four-letter, you know, set produces a specific code for a specific amino acid. And so glycine, anything that is GGX, so GGA, GGC, GGG, or GCT, all of those code for, for glycine. That's the exact um that's the code that will say, okay, you need to put a glycine here. And so the, the proteins are beads on a string. Each each three-letter code maps to a particular amino acid. And then when you're building a protein, in the machinery that builds a protein just lays those amino acids out as beads on a string. And then when you're done, you have this beautiful protein that will fold into some magical thing that can be an enzyme or it can be an ion transporter. It can be a receptor. I mean, these proteins have all kinds of jobs in the body or an enzyme that digests digest other proteins, or it can be a protein that actually builds proteins. I mean, they have all kinds of skills, these different proteins, you know, that are coded by the DNA. But glycine is one of those basic 20, and glyphosate is a glycine molecule. It just has some extra stuff stuck onto the nitrogen. It's actually a very simple molecule, deceptively simple. Mm-hmm. But because it's a an amino acid, it can go into the chain by mistake. So basically, there's an error that's made. This is the theory that uh, Anthony and I have, and I'm almost, I'm very confident that we're right because the more I read, the more it makes sense. It just explains so many things about glyphosate that we're seeing. And um, so it goes into the protein instead of glycine by mistake, 
and then that makes the protein not work the way it's supposed to, and particularly for specific proteins that have essential glycines. And that's where the research got really fun, because last December, once we sort of got this idea, we started digging through all the research literature looking for proteins that have glycines that are highly conserved, meaning that, you know, we, when you have a... You have all kinds of different genetic variants, usually, and different people will have a particular form of a, of a gene that will be a little bit different variant on that protein with a couple of different amino acids someplace different from the other guys. And there are certain amino acids that, certain positions in, an, in a protein that never change. They just never get mutated, which usually means that they are really, really important to that protein. So people, so researchers look at, for example, they'll take all the all the cases they can find of various proteins that are phosphatases among different species, and they'll and, and they're able to actually write down the entire amino acid sequence of the different phosphatases, and they can see that every one of them has a glycine at that particular spot. You know, there'll be a lot of variability other places, but in that particular spot, they always have glycine. If that's the case, then that glycine is really, really important for that protein. And then the researchers go after why, and they actually can do some really cool research where they'll go in and replace that glycine with alanine and see what happens. So there's a, there's papers out there that you can find that will talk about different proteins where they've discovered, and this is true for all the different amino acids. You can find ones that will talk about essential alanines and essential glutamates, but essential glycine is what we're looking for because glycine is the one that's going to get displaced by glyphosate and mess it up. And what is really remarkable is that we have found every single one of the proteins that are associated with different um, misfolding, so proteins that misfold that are associated with very serious neurological diseases like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, ALS, um, which is Lou Gehrig's disease, and the prion diseases like mad cow in the cows, all of those guys have proteins that um, misfold and build these sort of plaques and those misfolded proteins are strongly connected to those diseases, and each one has a different problem with a different misfolding protein. And every one of those misfolding proteins not only has absolutely conserved glycines, but they've also targeted those glycines as being the problem with those proteins. It's really, really remarkable. I just read a paper this morning that I just found this morning, and I was aware of the connection with prion diseases and the prion protein has really interesting, there's a glycine-rich region within that protein, prion, which is prion is the prion disease is mad cow. I don't know, people mm-hmm. probably know about mad cow in the cows in, in the U.K. Yeah, well, the pr- prion is yeah. kind, of kind of an advanced concept, but um, the uh, everybody knows about the uh, mad cow. <laughs> yeah, mad cow is a fascinating disease, and I was actually really fascinated by it when I first heard about it. And, and I was really, and I even read books about the prions because I thought they were so interesting, these proton, protein, Infective agents. They're not. There's no DNA. It's the protein itself that can cause. Um, it sort of crystallizes out other versions of itself and messes up your own. If you get contaminated with it, then it just sort of crystallizes the, the prion protein out of your cell and destroys it. It's really, really fascinating. But these prion proteins that are disruptive, where they have actually zeroed in on this glycine-rich region within the prion protein that's highly, highly conserved across different species. And within that region, there's a specific palindrome called A-G-A-A-A-A-G-A. That sequence has two glycines in it, and everything else is an alanine. And that particular sequence in that prion protein is absolutely essential for the protein to cause trouble. 
which really says to me that what, and of course, these glycines are highly conserved, so that protein is supposed to work with those glycines there. Something about those glycines is now broken that didn't used to be broken. And what that is is that those glycines have become glyphosate. Once you put glyphosate in place of the glycine, the, pro, the protein no longer works the way it's supposed to, and this causes it to then form these um, precipitating agents that are a train wreck for the neurons in the brain. Really, really fascinating. And it's not just true for the prions. The same thing is true for the amyloid beta in the ALS and alpha-synuclein that's in, um, um, what is it, Parkinson's disease? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's something called PDP-43, I believe. That's something like TDP-43, which is linked to uh, ALS. Every one of them has these conserved glycines. It's really, truly remarkable. It's a real eye-opener, and we wrote about that in our new paper. Anthony and I have a new paper out coming out of this work from last December, and I was just totally immersed December, January, just furiously reading all about proteins that have conserved glycines because it was so, it was really um, exciting because we found right away we found a protein, we, we found insulin receptor. Insulin receptor depends critically upon a glycine in order to get to the membrane. So if the insulin receptor can't get to the membrane, then you're going to have insulin resistance, you're going to have diabetes. And diabetes is going up dramatically in step with the rise in glyphosate. Another example is a, is a hormone-sensitive lipase in fat cells. And if that, if that guy's got conserved glycines, if they're messed up, it doesn't respond to the signaling that tells it to release fat from the fat cells. So what happens is the fat cells accumulate fat they can't get rid of, and you get fat. So we have an obesity epidemic that really took off in 1975 when glyphosate was first introduced on the market. Totally explained easily by by just this one protein. So it's just really exciting to find um, how well this idea of glyphosate substituting for glycine suddenly explains all these diseases. You know, why do we have this epidemic in all these different diseases? This becomes the answer. Generically, it becomes the answer at every single disease you look at, you can find at least one protein that's going to have issues because of that glycine getting replaced by glyphosate. Quite beautiful, really. But it really, really scary because the glyphosate, you know, once you start getting the leaky gut, then the glyphosate is going to get into your main system. And then, um, and of course, the leaky brain is going to allow the glyphosate itself to get into the brain. That's when you're going to really get in trouble. And wherever glyphosate goes, it's going to cause trouble. It's going to get into the proteins in that locale and it's going to cause them not to work, and then it's going to cause a cascade of problems following that that just takes you down. And the cascade is what? Well, it's many different cascades depending upon exactly what's going on. I mean, right now I'm studying very hard on ALS. I'm really, really interested in ALS, really interesting story that we're discovering because it's sort of this, you know, other factors are going to dictate exactly what goes wrong. You might get cancer, for example. You might mm-hmm. get rheumatoid arthritis, I mean, there's different things you could get, and people are getting all these different things. So why doesn't everybody get the same thing would be the question, right? I'll and the reason is because everyone... Yeah? Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, you, you, you can answer it if you like. No, 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 no. Yeah. I, 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 I tend to... Uh, my mouth goes before my brain goes in gear, so... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's fat. I mean, that's one thing they've been puzzling me, and I've been saying for a long time, which is really true, I think, that I said, you know, everyone gets sick, but your genetics dictates exactly what you get. So different genetics exactly. is going to take you down different paths, 
with regard to what kind of illness you get as a consequence of chronic glyphosate exposure. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's part of the story is the genetics, but there's also sort of what else is going on with you, what foods you're eating, whether right. you're fit or not, you know, whether you really get a lot of exercise, whether you get a lot of sun. I mean, all these different other factors are going to play a role uh, in dictating how the glyphosate affects your particular system. And so the ALS is really interesting because people who get ALS tend to be lean body type. They don't have a lot of body fat, and they tend to be in extremely good physical shape. They're often athletes. You know, they're people who are very physically fit, that they've really made sure to get a lot of, whether they're just obsessed on, you know, staying fit. Some people just jog all the time, these kinds of people who really believe in getting a lot of exercise. And we've been you know, led to believe that exercise is really good for you. So some people just go overboard with it and really, really work their muscles. And what happens then is that their muscles are actually really taking a hit on the glyphosate because without the fat cells, fat cells actually help you um, by deflecting the glyphosate, you know, and also by changing your metabolism so that the um, fructose, which is a fructose is a huge problem in the presence of glyphosate, but the fat cells can suck up that fructose and turn it into fat so that it doesn't get into the main system. But if, um, if you don't have a lot of fat cells and you're eating a lot of fructose, that might be that you're drinking a lot of Cokes, for example, or you're eating a lot of sugar-containing you know, processed foods, cupcakes and things like that, um, you're going to get a lot of fructose, high fructose corn syrup, which goes with glyphosate, and the glyphosate prevents the gut microbes from pro- properly metabolizing the fructose. And so the fructose ends up in the main circulation. And then if you're exercising your muscles a lot, they're going to sh- take up the fructose because they need a lot of energy. They're going to take up the fructose. And exercise also induces the muscles to take up amino acids. And glyphosate actually gets taken up actively on amino acid transporters. So when you're sucking up amino acids into the muscles, you're also sucking up glyphosate into the muscles. And that glyphosate is then going to get into the muscle proteins. And the most amazing thing is there's a protein called myosin, which is really important for the muscles to actually make them move. It's a motor. It's a protein, and it works as a motor, allowing the muscles to move. And myosin has an essential glycine. I think it's at position 699. If that glycine gets converted even to alanine, which is a very small change, just an extra methyl group, if glycine gets turned into alanine, all of a sudden that protein works at only 1% capacity, down from 100% to 1% capacity to move, to make that muscle move. And even if only some of the myosin molecules have something other than glycine, like even 2%, if 2% of them have something other than glycine at that position, they will reduce the whole muscle's ability to move by a factor of 50%. So you can imagine if glyphosate is being sucked up into the muscles and then being worked into the myosin, that the muscle will have a hard time moving which will require the motor neuron to work harder to stimulate it. So the motor neuron is saying, hey, you know, move already, and it's pushing on it really hard, which requires a lot of activity on the part of the motor neuron, and that starts to put it into overdrive, and then it comes down too because now it's sucking up all the glyphosate and getting in trouble. So it's sort of a, it's a cascade sequence starting with the excess fructose with the microbes being messed up so they can't metabolize the fructose, muscles taking up the fructose because they're working so hard, but then also taking up the glyphosate, getting killed, and then the the motor neurons have to work harder to stimulate them, and then the motor neurons get killed. And once you get to that point, you start to get the symptoms of ALS. 
So it's a complicated wow. process. It takes many years, but eventually uh, you end up crippled, and you have about five years to live once you're diagnosed with ALS. And the reversal for it would be? Say the what? The reversal for it would be? How to fix the ALS? Fixing it would probably be hard. Preventing it would be eat an organic diet, don't eat a lot of fructose, don't drink Coke, um, eat a lot of nutrients, micronutrients, to make sure that you have plenty of um, minerals and vitamins, and uh, eat probiotics probably to make sure your gut microbes are happy. Uh, get lots of sunlight so you can get enough sulfate to make sure the muscles are working properly. These are all the things I advocate for anybody to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And exercise is fine. I mean, I don't think I don't think running a marathon all the time is a good idea, but certainly staying physically fit is, of course, a good thing to do, uh, always in moderation. In your research, is there any way that somebody who has the expression of MS, ALS, or any of the neurodegenerative diseases, okay, is there any way to reverse the damage? Yeah, I mean, that is a very, very good question, and I really wish I had the answer because I have to say I don't know. The question would be whether, because eventually you start to get these autoantibodies to certain proteins in your body, uh, as a consequence of all these, you know, you get proteins that can't be broken down because they're cluttered with glyphosate, and that's when you start to get antibodies. Like you probably, you even get uh, antibodies to myosin because myosin right. is messed up by glyphosate. And the glyphosate, it, it does two things. It makes the, the molecule not work correctly, but it also makes it difficult to break the molecule down. So that's a double hit. And once you can't break that molecule down, the protein sticks around, and you get the antibody response. So that can even be a direct response to myosin. Um, because the myosin is hanging around in this broken form, you develop antibodies. And then it turns out actually developing antibodies to myosin, there's another molecular mimicry thing that goes on from a human molecule to a human molecule. So it's really fascinating, this molecular mimicry. It's not just between species. It's sometimes even your own molecules can, your own proteins can mimic other proteins. And so you get an autoimmune reaction to receptors in the muscles that mm-hmm, then make mm-hmm. it harder for the motor neurons to excite them. So it's really fascinating that that whole system, how you get a cascade of damage, starting with um, a damaged protein. Once you have a damaged protein, then you have the immune response, then you have the autoantibody stuff kick in, and then you've got big trouble. And so the big question is whether um, these autoantibodies could be reversed, whether you could get rid of them. And certainly I think one issue is the sulfate, and I've talked a lot about sulfate. That's actually where I started. I do believe still that sulfate deficiency is a key driver behind all these diseases, and the sulfate is absolutely essential in the extracellular matrix surrounding all the cells. Uh, You can think of the blood vessels, for example. They're coated with this um, layer called the glycocalyx um, around the inside of the wall of the blood vessel, all the blood vessels, and the glycocalyx has these complex sugar chains in it that are 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 stuck together with sulfates. So the sulfates are stuck into the glycocalyx in um, various positions in those cells. Really, uh, really fascinating. The sulfates have an effect on the water in the blood, which causes it to become structured. And um, structured water is almost like what I call liquid ice. It's sort of like gel. If you think of jello, jello is a good example of structured Mm -hmm. water. 
um, it's kind of not it's kind of solid but squig squiggly, you know. And mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. this structured water, jello, surrounds all the blood vessels and provides a kind of a barrier. It's actually pure crystalline water, so there's very little in there besides the water. And it provides a nice barrier that keeps the pipe clean. It basically keeps all the stuff inside the blood in the blood instead of having it leak out into the tissues. You know, it provides a good seal for the blood vessels. And it also makes the red blood cells very slippery as they slide through the capillaries, so it's easy for the blood to get through. So really important for circulation, really important for protecting the cells from getting exposed to things that are in the blood. Because you have, for example, if you have high blood sugar, sugar is very reactive and it can attack uh, the walls of the blood vessels and cause trouble. But if you've got that nice thick water layer in between, it provides a good shield that protects um, the surrounding vessel from attack by the things that are in the water, in the blood itself. So the sulfates are really, really important for that. They're also important in the macrophages, which is the immune system. The macrophages also carry sulfate attached to their outer wall, and they take that sulfate in and put it into their lysosomes when they're ready to digest debris. So the macrophages, one of the things they do is clean up debris. They clean up broken proteins, for example, and they clean up uh, viruses. So they're going to attack a virus, kill it, and eat it, right? And they need to digest it and break it down, and they can actually use the virus for parts. They can recycle the raw materials in the virus to actually use for their own purposes. Uh, But that depends on being able to digest the virus, and digesting the virus depends upon having sulfate because the sulfate creates the acidic environment in the lysosome that allows it to be able to do that. So if there's not enough sulfate for the macrophages, the immune system's going to become weak. And once you get a weakened immune system, now you're susceptible to all kinds of uh, infectious diseases. And so you're getting, you know, pneumonia and and, uh, you're getting colds all the time and maybe even, you know, uh, nastier things like staph aureus or CTP still and all those kinds of things. You get some kind of runaway infection. Uh, which we have a crisis in runaway infections in the hospital mm-hmm. which I suspect is a direct consequence of this weakened immune system because of the lack of sulfates in the immune cells. And this is all downstream of the, of the glyphosates? Pardon? This is all downstream of the glyphosates? Yeah, because the glyphosate is really messing up the sulfate, and this is one thing that I discovered um, early on. And um, sulfur, of course, is one of those minerals that gets uh, disrupted by glyphosate. Glyphosate has been shown in E. coli to severely suppress an enzyme that's essential for making methionine, actually making methionine from sulfate. And so this becomes a methionine deficiency problem. Methionine is the core protein, sulfur-containing protein, amino acid, that feeds into the Mm -hmm. sulfur system. So that gets you glutathione. Glutathione is a really important um, antioxidant in the liver. So if uh, methionine is needed to make glutathione, which comes from cysteine, cysteine it comes from methionine. So there's this big complicated pathway, but you get to glutathione from methionine. If you don't have enough methionine, you're going to have a deficiency in glutathione. And glutathione also gets uh, uh, lost because of other toxic chemicals in the environment because glutathione is one of the ways that you detox toxic chemicals. And so a lot of people have a deficiency in glutathione in the liver, which is going to cause liver damage. And we have a huge problem with the liver these days as well, all kinds of different liver problems. 
um, partly due to this uh, loss of glutathione directly coming from, I suspect, from the uh, glyphosate messing up the ability to make the sulfur-containing amino acids. So that's one way in which sulfur gets disrupted. The other thing is that those aromatic amino acids that I mentioned earlier, the shikimate pathway, those guys are sulfate carriers because they produce, first of all, they themselves are sulfated when they're transported, but also they produce all these uh, neurotransmitters I mentioned before, like serotonin and melatonin, and those are also sulfated in transport. I believe that one of their important jobs is to, is to transport the sulfate. So it's really interesting. The sulfate is attached to the serotonin in the blood, and then the serotonin sulfate is shipped to the brain, and when it gets to the brain, the sulfate's dropped off, and then the serotonin becomes, does whatever it does in terms of a neurotransmitter. So that what's happened is the sulfate has been successfully transported to the brain. If you don't have enough serotonin, then you can't, you, you run into trouble supplying sulfate to the brain. And I believe sulfate deficiency in the brain is a key problem in, in um, autism as well as Alzheimer's disease and many other neurological problems. Sulfate oh, deficiency I, I would, in the brain. I would agree with that, but I never, I never knew that and particular so, um, connection. You know, that's amazing. I never knew that particular connection. You know, yeah, um, not many people know that because uh, there, there's a lot of, um, in the papers they talk about these things are transported in a sulfated form, but they never think in terms of the fact that the sulfate is getting transported. I think that's a really important part that people are missing. Even the experts are missing that point. Well, we tend people tend to think of um, these sulfates uh, in, in a negative sense. You know, they, 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 I know. they start. I know a lot of people about, have sulfate sensitivity, and that's because of the yeah. glyphosate. Yeah, but and, you can't uh, convert the sulfate to methionine. And free sulfate right. is really, really dangerous, especially free sulfite. And of course, you have sulfites uh, that are used, uh, for example, in wines. You have sulfites in wines, and a lot of people are sensitive to those. Uh, Sulfite gets oxidized to sulfate using an enzyme called sulfite oxidase. And that guy depends upon molybdenum, Mm -hmm. which is another one of those minerals that can be disrupted by glyphosate. So people can have a lot of problems with various mineral deficiencies that cause... And of course, they could also have just a defective form of sulfite oxidase. It's already kind of working only at half gear. And then on top of that, having the problem with the mineral deficiency, uh, they can't oxidize the sulfite to sulfate, and the sulfite is really toxic. Sulfate itself is also toxic if you can't find a transporter for it. So you've got all right. these transporters available like serotonin but and tryptophan, all those things that come out of that shikimate pathway, but that pathway is being disrupt by glyph- disrupted by glyphosate. And the other pathway that you transport sulfates is through the sterols, the cholesterol and all of its derivatives, all mm-hmm. the um, mm-hmm. hormones like the... The sex hormones, you know, testosterone and, and estrogen, those guys are also, also sulfated in transit, particularly DHEA. DHEA sulfate's produced by the adrenal glands, and glyphosate's been shown to disrupt that as well. So all the different ways you would normally transport sulfate are broken. Free sulfate's going to kill you because it'll gel the blood. So you've got to, your kidneys end up flushing the sulfate even though you don't have enough. It's really sad. You have to waste it even though you don't have enough because you don't have sulfate transporters. And meanwhile, all your blood's getting deficient, and your and your immune system's getting deficient, and you're getting more and more vulnerable to things like cancer, actually, or things like infection, uh, because of these deficiencies in the sulfate. So one would, it begs the question, it begs the question. This is the the glyphosates are fairly ubiquitous in the environment presently. Yes. Um, how does one avoid them? And I'm sure that we have a glyphosate load in our bodies. How does one 
reverse that? Great questions, and I wish I had a good answer. I always for ask good questions. Big, yeah, no, those are really important, and that's one thing I've been wondering. You know, once you recognize, oh my God, and if you're, especially if you're sick, oh my God, I've been you know poisoning myself. How can I fix this? What can I do first of all to avoid it in the future, and then secondly, how can I flush what's already there? Right, those are the two important mm-hmm. questions. And avoiding it, um, a key thing to do is to switch to an organic diet. And in my family, we're really strict about organic. We buy organic spices. We buy organic beer, organic wine, you know, all of our foods, organic, organic flour, coffee, everything, sugar, everything's organic in our household. And it's it's expensive, you know, but when you think of the um, what it would cost you to have Alzheimer's disease, all of a sudden that food looks pretty cheap. And so we've really become foodies here because we, just, we get really fun about it. Like if we've got some recipe and we say, oh, gosh, can we get an organic version of this, you know, and we start looking, and then if we can't find it, then we say, okay, fine, I guess we can't make that. I mean, it's really sad, but more and more stuff is now available organically, so we're able to make some pretty much, you know, everything we used to make, um, but it requires a lot of care. My husband, in fact, he's a really good cook. He cooks Chinese food, and uh, he's, he's the cook in the family, and he used to make um, these uh, pot stickers. Do you know what pot stickers are? Mm-hmm. They're really delicious, but they're you know you have this little piece of dough and you wrap up some meat stuffing with some uh, herbs in there, and you fry it and then you steam it. You know it's really delicious. And um, he stopped making pot stickers because the um, he couldn't get uh, any of the. You buy these little squares that are already pre-made flour, um, you know things that dough like like a pizza. It's just they're right, already right. prepared sliced and you just peel off and then you just put the stuffing in and you roll it up and you're done and then he finally said he, he was missing his pot stickers so he finally said well maybe i can make the dough you know <laughs> and he did he i was so proud of him because he went and he found a recipe and he put he started with organic flour i mean he made his own dough and rolled it out and he made the most delicious pot stickers and so now you know it's, it's just wonderful that he was able to to do that so it's become kind of a game for us to how can you uh, still eat what you used to eat and do it organically? And so it takes more work. So, we make our own salad dressing now, too, because you so can buy we, organic we, salad dressing. If we, go, if we go organic, if we go organic, um, that will certainly stop the entry. Is there any way it of flushing? It won't stop all of it, actually. It, in fact, glyphosate has shown up in uh, uh, testing organic food has shown glyphosate contamination even in organic food. They're mm-hmm. not using it on the food. But it's in the water supply, it's in the rain, right. you know, it's in the soil. I mean, it's extremely hard to, you, in this country, you pretty much can't avoid it. So you're going to get it anyway. Even organic eggs tested positive for glyphosate, which was very disappointing. Is it a matter of level? How it, much is it's in It's a there? lot less. It's a lot less. Um, okay, so I, I think that's a, point, that's a point to make because, yes. you know, if, if, we save, if we start getting it into our heads, that it's everywhere and there's nothing we can do about it, then we don't try to even manage it. That's okay, a, le- so. a level of despair that you don't want to have. And certainly right, exactly. uh, we feel by eating organic we are um, protecting ourselves to some extent. you know. And, of course, the water could have it too, and probably a great variation in how much is in different people's drinking water, which is unknown because almost nobody has tested it. you know. True, true. So Let me interrupt just for a moment. Uh, anyone who'd like to call in and ask a question, it's 646-595-2277. 646-595-2277 is the call-in number. 
So we have this, you know, it's been affecting our proteins or so many things. Uh, is there any way of flushing it out? Yeah, so that's an interesting uh, question, and I've wondered about that. And I have found some uh, material. It's interesting, actually, with respect to the cows. They've been, as you might imagine, they've been having a lot of health troubles with the cows because the cows are eating huge amounts of glyphosate in their GMO Roundup Ready feed. And um, and so there was a really lovely paper that was written um, not too long ago uh, where they had uh, cows that were sick, um, and they tested their urine for glyphosate, and indeed they had high levels of glyphosate in their urine. And then I, I don't know how they had learned to do this, but I suppose it makes sense. They were, They fed them fulvic acid and humic acid, which are organic matter from the soil. Mm-hmm. And um, and then they gave them uh, bentonite clay and charcoal, charcoal and bentonite clay, and sauerkraut juice. So a really yeah. kind of curious set of stuff, which apparently uh, you can get. I mean, I was really kind of it's kind of neat. You can actually get these things. They're not um, they're not toxic. I mean, they're pretty much available uh, even for us to to take, as far as I could tell. It was bentonite and what other kind of clay? Myself. Hmm? It was bentonite and what else? Bentonite clay, fulvic acid, humic acid, and then um, what's the charcoal? Um, charcoal, yeah. You know, charcoal something. <laughs> Activ- it's it's uh, activated charcoal. Things that, right. Yeah, things that kind of people probably already know for sort of clearing out toxic chemicals, right? Is that sort of things one might use anyway? But they, but anyway, they gave the cows these things, and the, and the sauerkraut juice was probably important as a probiotic. And... Um, and then they found that the cow's symptoms improved, and they also measured their urine, and the glyphosate levels had gone down. So okay. uh, it looked like it well, was effective. Well, the fulvic and humic acid is very, very easy to get. Um, you can get that on Amazon. Uh, fulvic acid minerals, humic acid minerals are in drops. They have them in pills. Bentonite clay is really super easy to get. Uh, activated charcoal uh, comes in loads of different forms. The, the least toxic or the least one with bamboo charcoal and sauerkraut juice is a new one on me but i'm very sure sauerkraut juice can be gotten or you could just buy sauerkraut and drink and squeeze it yeah (laughs) probably eating sauerkraut would work too okay i'm getting every last drop out of the sauerkraut i don't know why because dr stephanie said so i'm just going to do it <laughs> yeah, that was a funny one. Sauerkraut juice. Maybe they could couldn't. Uh, I mean, I would think eating sauerkraut would work just as well. Maybe even better. Um, but well, probiotics listen, you know, in if, general. If there's a if there's a combination of things that seems to chelate it out without without throwing your whole balance off, and I can see this because I I often use the fulvic acid minerals as a yeah. uh, supplement. Um, because I'm a great I'm a great believer in um, a wide broad base. A multi-mineral supplement. I tend to use a product called Protovite, but I'll also supplement with this because it's a very broad spectrum on minerals. It's very easy to use, and um, your body needs a whole lot of different, and it will displace uh, heavy metals slowly, yeah. but it will displace them. Okay, the bentonite and charcoal gives you know, toxins, a chelation point in the gut, saying something to hold on to so they don't get reabsorbed. Like I said, yes, the only new right. thing is the sauerkraut juice on me, which is um, yeah. interesting. Which is really on more, my... I think, just to restore the gut microbes, because if you can get them working again, you know, oh, yeah. everything else will heal, right? And then you'll, and if you, if you, if you can get rid of the leaky gut, 
um, mm-hmm. then you'll have a lot less glyphosate getting into the general circulation. Because I think once mm-hmm. you start to get the leaky gut, then you start to get a lot more glyphosate in the general circulation. That's when things uh, can that's, really That's true for e- all the toxins and everything. It's once yes. the leaky gut starts, it continues and continues and continues, which is the basis of inflammation, the basis of all disease. And, and you put it into a very good line of it begins... You know, you get inflammatory response, and you get autoimmune response, and so forth, and so on, and so on, and so on, which is why right. we're seeing such horrible chronic illnesses in such young people, okay, because it's, it's really all disturbing. beginning here, and and that's the point that I want everybody who's listening and who will, who will be listening to this archive, the archive to get is that the glyphosates are there. Okay, and I'm going to pronounce them wrong, and I don't really care. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're doing right. <laughs> make one, never mind. Okay, that the better way of dealing with this is to realize that this is not a benign entity, that it's, it's injuring you at the cellular, if not molecular level. It's causing genetic expression. It's causing, you know, we, we, one of the things I do all day, day in and day out, is read genetic studies you know people like they call me up and say i've got mthfr i'm like yes (laughs) okay but (laughs) causing it to express what causes all these these various um pathways that look polymorphic to express and there it is staring at us in the nostrils okay what causes cancer to take root what causes neurodegenerative diseases to take root it doesn't just come out of the blue it's not a roll of the cosmic dice okay there's a root cause for it and the root cause is in the glyphosates that are creating a situation that the body cannot eventually cannot deal with and they uh, Robert Navarro in his uh, in his paper in the cell danger response pointed out with enough pointed out that with enough cell danger responses that your homeostatic mechanism simply will stop working you know and yeah. this is one of the major things that's, that's kicking that particular set of circumstances off you know it's it's right. a horrible thing and it's and it's horrible that our government and I won't even say big pharma but Big companies, you know, are yeah. ignoring it, you know, making fun of it, saying it's okay to feed your babies this stuff, you know, and it doesn't make a yeah, lot of sense it, to me. It's really frustrating that they're attacking back so hard to try to say mm-hmm. that this stuff is safe. I mean, there's so much at stake because it really has changed agriculture. It's made everything so much simpler. You can have this huge mega farm with just a couple of people working, you know, and just spray this poison all over the crop and that just takes care of all the weeds. That's just so much less work. And people are lazy, you know. They're like, why wouldn't I do this? It's so easy. And, of course, they are destroying the soil. Every year the soil gets worse because the soil microbes are being destroyed. And then right, the crops right. start getting fungus disease. They have to start using more fungicides. I mean, they, they all this is happening, and it, it's going on. And every year things are getting more deteriorated. But somehow they don't, they get sucked in, you know. And then once the farmer's been doing this for several years, he can't just switch to organic. He's got to go another several years to get rid of all the glyphosate in the soil before he can be certified organic. So he's kind of stuck, you know. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of farmers mm-hmm. that are stuck with these giant farms that are producing this toxic food. And uh, it's hard for them to get off of that uh, treadmill, I think. Oh, it's the good difficult. news is that, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, come on, please. The good news is, <laughs> Sorry. I've been looking for um, some good, good news, news here. Come on. That organic is growing exponentially. I mean, we're getting. I'm so pleased when I go to the grocery store and I see that 
there's a bigger portion of the shelf space devoted to organic, and you see the organics flying off the shelf. Sometimes you see, like, in the veggie section, and the whole part where it's or- organic, there's almost nothing there because it's been all bought, you know. <laughs> it, it's uh, That's hard because then you're like, shoot, I can't get any cucumbers because they're sold out, but... Uh, but it's uh, it makes you happy to know that people are buying it. You know, uh, people are more and yeah. more people are getting the word, and uh, and I suspect they're healing because of it. And um, once they start healing, they realize it's got to be true, and then they'll stick with it. So we're getting, and then if people hear from their friends, right, that uh, right, you know, my child had autism and I switched him to an organic diet and he got his symptoms got much better, then people are going to say, wow, maybe I'll switch to organic too. You know, if it did that for him, well, what might it yeah, do? You know, some, these these days we can't, unfortunately, and and everybody who is who has listened to my babblings over the past few years and who's been treated with uh, myself and my group uh, realizes that um, we can't totally depend on our healthcare providers to give us the proper information because they're being fed by these other entities that are responsible for people getting ill. You know, yeah, our, know. Our, our present system is made not to cure disease, but to manage chronic illness. And no, it's you, such a lucrative you, business. It is. There's no, you know, it's, I forever say there's no money in curing cancer. There's lots of money in treating it. You know, there's yeah. no money in, no money in curing diabetes, but there's loads of money in managing it. You know, mm-hmm. so anything that we do that would portend actual healing um, somehow gets swept under the rug by somebody somewhere somehow you know and yeah. uh, i so remember it's the really last frustrating to me how focused they are on always wanting to keep, make a drug you know they want to get something they can patent and if they can't mm-hmm. come up with a drug they're not interested so even if it's just mm-hmm. a natural product like garlic which is so healthy mm-hmm. but they don't want to promote that because they can't make a lot of money off of it because they can't right. patent they it, can't you know? patent it they can't patent it um, again, people, if you want to ask a question, it's 646-595-2277. Uh, there is nobody in the world that knows more about this subject than Dr. Sinef. So, you know, if you're out there and you have um, a burning question or a curiosity, this would be a really good time to call, you know, because, uh, you know, even if you want to argue the fact, um, there's nobody who knows more about it that could defend the point. You know, because this is what's killing us. This is what's killing your children. This is what's making people ill. This is what's setting you up for illnesses. This is why Lyme disease is rampant. This is why parasites are rampant. It's not so much that there are that many more ticks, but because our immune systems are so compromised that what we would normally fight, we can't fight anymore. Okay, we see that in certain other diseases, but you got to ask why, why are we being so susceptible to so many different diseases, okay? And this, I believe, to be the base, the base reason, you know? And um, which is why I asked Dr. Sinev to come back on the show because I think, I thought, and I still think we need to be reminded of this because it's very, very easy to be complacent and just kind of look around and say, well, it's because of this, it's because of that, when really, you know, we have to continue the fight against the glyphosate roundup being used on our foods. And the way you do that 
quite frankly, is by buying organic. And no, I don't have stock in Whole Foods. Okay, by buying organic, and it's always a supply and demand thing. If you buy organic, then guess what? <laughs> you know, they'll start producing more organic stuff. I know. That's you know, so it's, it is so true. And I'm very happy to hear, uh, Dr. Stephanie, I'm very, very happy to hear it because the last time when I asked, uh, there wasn't an answer, you know, what we could do to help flush this out of our systems. And the full yeah, that's, that's a pretty good answer. Bentonite and charcoal and the yeah. sauerkraut juice is, is absolutely a wonderful thing. Um, you know, I realize that it takes time, but just to have a methodology of doing it is um, is a wonderful thing. It really right. is. What's worrisome is when you, if you have it, like for example, in proteins in your brain, I think it's probably very, very difficult to get it out of those proteins at that point. You know, if you harder used... to get it out as it sort of settles more into your tissues, you know, as as parts of proteins that can't be broken down, that becomes very difficult to get rid of. I would tend to agree, but uh, to get across any of those barriers, there would have to be a liposomal form, okay? Because mm-hmm. even if even if you're not going across the barrier uh, and you're using these other substances, it's a matter of replacing it as the body replaces things normally, okay? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it doesn't. It's not anything that you, you're not actively flushing something. You're not going in there with a plunger and sucking it out. What you're doing is supplying the body with what it needs, and as it's doing its normal turnovers, it's putting in healthier things and pulling out poisonous things, if you will. Right. Uh, well, in fact, the... if you beef up the immune system so that it has enough sulfate, then the immune cells would probably be better able to clear those broken protein debris that contain the glyphosate, you know, so that it could actually break them down and get rid of it. There's a um, there's a kind of a feeling, um, especially in, in the the nutrigenomic circles that people tend to be a little bit on the shy side when it concerns sulfur, you know. Um, yeah, and, I mean, I've heard a lot of people have sulfur sensitivities, actually. I mean, they avoid it because they'll look at they'll look at the CBS pathway. They'll see the CB, you know, the cystathione beta synthase and CTH, and they'll say, "Oh my God, I've got to avoid sulfur." And, and I remember our group was playing around with that a few years ago, and we were, you know, blocking sulfur and doing this, and we ended up making people low in sulfur, which was much worse than being high in sulfur. That's what's so tricky because the sulfur, and it's true for iron too, by the way, both toxic Mm -hmm. and essential. And it's a good example with iron because iron is, you know, very reactive and that's what makes it uh, useful. And same thing for sulfur. I mean, they're both very reactive and they play a role in a lot of different um, chemical reactions. But um, you don't want them to be reacting out of control, you know, right, in, in a right. controlled situation. And that's what happens with glyphosate because the glyphosate messes up the normal mechanisms. The body has very sophisticated mechanisms for transporting these these essential nutrients and uh, delivering them appropriately to the cells that need them. But when you throw glyphosate into the me- mix, those mechanisms get all messed up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. For both I iron agree. and sulfur and manganese, by the way, at least mm-hmm. those three, and probably every mineral. But I, I'm very well aware of those three. Your uh, your your point about manganese is very very uh, apt because most people tend to concentrate on magnesium and don't realize that manganese is probably more important than magnesium, and that's the reason why is because of the, gly- the glyphosates. Um, yeah. And you know we use molybdenum, of course, to control. Uh, as some of the sulfur issues and uh, help it metabolize. 
uh, so that you're not getting so much brain fog and so forth. But, you know, right now in my head, I'm thinking about some of the other stuff that we do that, you know, might exactly, you know, cross things like the blood-brain barrier and some of the other fatty barriers that um, we have difficulty with. But it's possible. It's definitely possible, you know, and um, because there are people that we're working with probably, you know, that were the, the normal procedures that we're using. Um, we're probably doing some of this work without the advanced knowledge that, uh, of, you know, of exactly what we're doing. Uh, it's always a learning process. Right. It's definitely a learning process. Well, I don't see anybody calling, so I guess they're going to be listening to the, um, to the archive. Tell me, do you have any um, parting words of wisdom for our, for our listeners? You know, just to... Uh, um Eat organic. I think that's really the most important thing. Switch to an organic diet. Ideally, grow your own organic food, which is wonderful if you've got a spot where you can grow some tomatoes and some some vegetables. You know, it would be great to grow your own, uh, take ownership over your food supply because um, the food that's out there uh, is toxic. And uh, thank goodness that the country has a certified organic label. You know, I haven't really gotten that excited about this whole business of the GMO labeling issue because I really don't care if it's GMO, non-GMO. I don't care. I'm not going to buy it unless it's certified organic, and that already has a label. So, you know, I think we can skip good that point. step of good labeling point. GMOs because that's good. That's you've good. got that's plenty really... of non-GMO foods that were sprayed with glyphosate right before the harvest, like wheat and sugarcane, that are going to have lots of glyphosate in them even though they're non-GMO. So it's not safe to just buy non-GMO. You have to buy certified organic. Um, and it's going to be worth the extra money that you spend on mm-hmm. organic food in terms of the money you save on medical expenses. And, of course, your quality of life will be so much better. And quality of, quality of life is everything. Yeah, because that's, yeah. that's, of course, what we deal with constantly. You know, um, they, we always concentrate on the bigger health issues, but it's really quality of life. You know, all of my patients that... Um, that I see it. it's it's definitely that they're very ill, but mostly it's a quality of life issue because you know they're they're often saying I can't live like this. I don't have enough energy. I don't have you know. And this is the very base of it. I'm I'm really what I've, I've as usual I've learned a ton tonight. That's why I was quiet. I'm sitting there going, Shh. well you heard me typing. I was making <laughs> notes and stuff. And I'm like ha 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 ha, you know. And yeah. of course, you know. And but I appreciate your time. I appreciate your knowledge. I appreciate the fact that you've championed this level of knowledge and bravely because I know what you're working against, you know, and um, I want to, for everybody out there and myself and everybody on the planet, I want to thank you for your extreme bravery, your extreme dedication, you know, to this particular area because it is so incredibly basic and incredibly important and the reason that we continue to be ill and someone had to take the chance and say, I don't, I don't care who throws what at me, you know, cause you always know who the pioneers are because they're the ones with the arrows in their backs. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I know. It's so <laughs> it's true. true. I don't know where it's going to take me, but I'm willing to go there because I just feel it's too important and we can't ignore this. I, we just I can't. Agree, I mean, but, the you planet, know, so, you know, needs our help. Well, the people, the people, you know, and, and honestly, it takes people like you to say, you know, I don't care what any, because you know what they do is they just try and disparage you. They make up rumors about you. You know, I mean, if this has happened to me before too, and I'm like, you know, it's, it's, and I feel like I, I forget the, um, 
uh, I think it was Lethal Weapon. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this stuff, you know. Like You're right. anymore, <laughs> anymore, I don't care. You know, it's like okay, exactly. You, you know, I'm like bringing on. You can on, yell at me fine. if you get my results. You can yell at me. I don't care. You know, that you're gonna say whatever you're gonna say, and and everybody in the world knows why you're saying it. So it's okay, you know. Yeah. But you know, and, you know those I, who don't listen because. Uh, they don't believe you because of all this stuff about how you know you're not credible. Then fine, they can just go ahead right. and keep eating the poisonous food. I'm not going to stop that's them right. from doing that if that's what they want to do. You know? No, really. I mean, that's that's what they usually say. Oh, you're not a real doctor. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I was like, whatever you say, you know. And, you yeah. Know, I'm like, look, I've been I've been a healthcare provider for 40 years. I got a bunch of degrees. You don't you don't think I'm a real doctor? You don't like like what I'm doing? Next, you know, because there's too many people right. there. That, too many people out there that need the help, and they need people like you to continue the fight, to continue to get the knowledge, so that we have, you know, knowledge to work with. So we could look at right. our our politicians and our people and saying, look, we want certified organic, and buy that, and leave the other stuff to rot, and eventually they'll just turn. You know, it's it's going to be an uphill yeah. battle, but. It's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah, it'll be very satisfying if we can finally get to the point where the government actually acknowledges that this chemical is just too toxic to be allowed to be produced, period, on the earth, you know, and just, I mean, I'm hoping that governments one by one will start banning it as they get enough evidence. Ours will probably be among the last to ban it. Oh, given given the present presidential candidates i would tend to agree no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, i've never i've never seen a situation where that you know it's oh my god <laughs> yeah it's so powerful choice? politically <laughs> it's amazing it's terrible anyway really again i want to thank really i want to thank you for your time thank you for the uh thank you for your work thank you for and being who you, you are and and your willingness to share this openly, freely, and again with bravery. I uh, just want to want you to know that I appreciate you, and I appreciate everything you've done, and uh, the time that you've taken to share with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank okay. you so much. Good night. Bye bye. Everybody, that was Dr. Stephanie Seneff, who is an expert in glyphosates, Roundup, GMO foods, and their effect on human physiology. Uh, if you um, are listening to this, um, and uh, you're probably listening to the archive as, as I'm speaking, um, please share this one with your friends, okay? Some of the stuff that the doctor talked about was a little bit on the technical side, but the bottom line is that the glyphosates are everywhere. You can minimize them. They're being crossed to the unborn babies through the placental barrier. They are the basis of chronic illness. They're the basis of all illness. Okay, not a lot of people want to believe that, but guess what? It happens to be true. And uh, the more that you accept and realize that this is a problem, the more that you'll start taking steps and realize that you don't have to be ill. You don't have to be chronically ill. You don't have to be ill at all, okay? Especially if you start taking steps to reverse this. And uh, the reversal is to be eating certified organic foods. Uh, and according to Dr. Seneff, to be taking fulvic, fulvic and humic acid, which are multi-minerals, 
Okay, particular ones. Um, bentonite clay and activated charcoal to absorb toxins and the use of sauerkraut juice, which is a new one on me, but it kind of makes sense. So um, think about that kind of fix, okay? And if you have any doubt, always remember that your last, your final arbiter of decision-making is the risk-benefit factor. Is there any risk in using fulvic and humic acid minerals, bentonite clay, and sauerkraut juice? Unless you don't happen to like the taste of sauerkraut. Is there any real risk? No. What's the benefit? Slowly pulling the glyphosates out of your body. That's a heck of a benefit. You know, and when that happens, things just start working better. Okay. Now, listen, uh, we're going to um, be having another guest in a couple of weeks. Uh, again, our um, friend from Down Under, Eliza Lambert, will be uh, doing a lecture in two weeks from now. This upcoming Thursday for my UK podcast, I'll be doing um, MTHFR and methylation. What is the big deal? Because I think we need to revisit that uh, in the United States. It'll be 2.30 this upcoming Thursday. For UK, uh, it's the same time, but it'll be 7.30 p.m. there. Okay, that'll be this upcoming Thursday. Okay. Uh, I want to thank you for your listening. Okay, I want to thank you for your time. Okay, I just looked at the statistics we've had since we've begun. 152,000 listeners. Okay, so this is getting around, okay? And uh, some people have told me I shouldn't have the song at the beginning at the end. And, you know, I pick faith of the heart for that reason. People with chronic illnesses are the strongest people that I know, okay? And to get through this, you have faith of the heart. You have strength, okay? You have what you need to get through this. And my job, as I see it, is to share good, solid, honest truthful information that you can use. Okay, hopefully you'll continue listening. Again, good to, good for you guys to be here. Thank you for your attention and um, be talking with you soon. Don't forget, Thursday will be MTHFR. What's the big deal? Okay, and that will be at 2.30 Eastern Time here and 7.30 p.m. UK time. And then in two weeks, we're going to have our guest from Down Under. Yes. Talk to you soon. Have a good night. Thanks again. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally here And I can feel a change in the way right now Nothing's in my way Remember, people, having a chronic illness does not mean permanent. Don't accept it. Keep researching. Keep fighting. Use that inner strength that you have to fight the illness tooth and nail. We're here to help you. Trying our best to give you information you can use. And don't ever forget, if nobody told you they love you today, Dr. Jess does.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.